There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, September 22nd. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Governor Tate Reeves is proposing a plan that could inject up to $700 million into the state's troubled health care system. Then the Mississippi Supreme Court has ruled that it will keep several provisions of a highly contested law. Plus, a farmer in the Delta is converting, or rather has converted, an old school bus into a mobile fresh produce market. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Governor Tate Reeves has announced a new plan that could inject up to $700 million into the state's financially struggling health care system. Several hospitals have cut services in recent years, while others have been forced to sell or close outright. Doctors from across the state have called on the legislature to expand Medicaid. They say it could bring around $1 billion to the state and supplement unpaid care. Governor Reeves maintains he doesn't want to expand Medicaid, but he is proposing an enhanced payment system that could improve Medicaid reimbursement rates to hospitals. Over the last four to five months, we've worked to put together a course of action that we believe can have a real impact on Mississippi hospitals. A few months ago, these individuals behind me reached out and said they were concerned and a little disappointed that the conversation had devolved around health care in Mississippi. And I got to say, they were right. Everything had become a debate over adding more people to the welfare rolls, and battle lines were drawn over that. But they also realized that Nothing was getting done because the people who were for that weren't willing to talk to those of us who were against it. And the leadership in healthcare in our state has the expertise needed to make real positive change. So they asked me if I would get together and talk about some of the things we could do to help hospitals in the state, leaving welfare all expansion off the table for now. 
While Reeves has campaigned against postpartum Medicaid benefits being extended to 12 months, he did sign a law this year that did just that. It was clear by the majority Republican state legislature. Most health care leaders cite unpaid bills as one of their largest financial hurdles. For this plan, Reeves says it will allow hospitals to recoup more of the money they need to maintain operations, placing it closer to the rates paid by private insurers. The first initiative, known as the Mississippi Hospital Access Program, will provide payments to hospitals serving patients in the Mississippi Medicaid managed care delivery system. With these payments, hospitals will be reimbursed on a higher level than before. The overall shift is significant. From an expected $562 million dollars, in MHAP funding in fiscal year 2024 to approximately $1.522 billion. This will occur not only in this fiscal year, but on an ongoing basis and will provide long-term funding for Mississippi's hospitals. The second initiative will supplement Medicaid base payment rates for hospitals by reimbursing inpatient and outpatient hospital services in the fee-for-service system. This payment mechanism is calculated similarly to the one-time emergency payment of $137 million that hospitals received through the work of the Division of Medicaid in May of this year. This payment will represent an increase of an additional $137 million in fiscal year 2024. Following the governor's announcement, Democratic Party chair for the state, Sheck Taylor, spoke with news reporters about the proposal. He claims Reeves is reacting to polls that show Mississippians want Medicaid expansion. He's had a lot of time over the last 12 plus years to actually do something about the closing hospitals in the state, to do something about the people that have been suffering in the state, to do something about Mississippians that have been dying in this state. We've seen it before with the extension of postpartum. We've also seen it with the teacher pay raise. He comes in at the 11th hour with the plan, and in this case, a plan that's not even bulletproof. It's a shot in the dark. And so I want to say to every Mississippian out there, don't be fooled by Tate Reeves. Know that we have a candidate named Brandon Presley who's willing and ready and prepared to sign Medicaid expansion into law on day one when he takes office. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services must approve the proposals. That could take months. If approved, the changes would apply back to July 1st of this year. Coming up, a ruling on a highly contested state law is handed down by the Mississippi Supreme Court. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Mississippi Supreme Court has handed down a ruling on whether House Bill 1020 violates the state constitution. 
The law passed earlier this year creates a court with limited jurisdiction in the Capitol Complex Improvement District of Jackson. It also expands jurisdiction of state police officers in that area. The courts have upheld much of the law, but shut down a measure that allows state courts to appoint judges to the Hines County Circuit Court. Our Michael Guidry spoke with attorney Amir Badat of the Legal Defense Fund at the NAACP. He served on the council challenging the legitimacy of House Bill 1020. But that says the court's ruling is a win for residents in Hines County. We think this ruling is a win. The Supreme Court held that HB 1020's provision that allowed appointment of temporary circuit court judges by the chief justice of the Supreme Court to the Hines County Circuit Court. The Supreme Court held that that provision was unconstitutional. And so the chief justice or any state official now cannot rely on HB 1020 as authority to appoint judges to the Hines County Circuit Court. And I think that is a huge win for residents of Hines County, particularly black residents of Hines County that had their voting power taken away from them by HB 1020. And so very happy about that. There are other parts of the ruling that held that there is a very narrow appointment power so that the chief justice can use that authority to appoint temporary judges to the Hines County Circuit Court only in the circumstances of emergencies or overcrowded dockets. While that decision is incorrect, obviously that wasn't our position, and we think that it's inconsistent with the ruling on HB 1020, we, we do think that that narrow appointment authority is something that we will be able to advocate for the Chief Justice to use sparingly and only in true circumstances of emergencies and overcrowded dockets. And then the court also held that the CCID court under HB 1020 was constitutional. We were arguing that HB 1020's CCID court was unconstitutional uh, because it didn't have a right of appeal in the statute, but the Supreme Court held that it was constitutional because there was a right of appeal to the Hines County Circuit Court. And so we think that that is also a win and that even though the judges on that court won't be elected, the cases that that court decides will be available to be appealed to elected judges in Hines County. And so we think that's a win. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, I mean, was the CCID, uh, in addition to the the appointed judges, uh, I know the creation of the CCID was was, uh, a big point of contention for uh, those challenging HB 1020. Uh, interestingly, uh, th- there was a dissent, there was a partial dissent from presiding Chief Justice Kitchens, and that argument centered around how the state wanted to define the CCID court as a municipality court. Um, and his dissent uh, seemingly says that the state wants to call it a municipal court, but it doesn't fit the definition of a municipal court. What, what did you take out of that dissenting opinion? Yeah, I mean, that was our argument. The CCID court is not a true municipal court. It has several characteristics that make it very different from any other municipal court in the entire state. And Jackson already has a municipal court. And so it doesn't make sense to have multiple municipal courts in one municipality. And and so, you know, we agree in large part with Justice Kitchen's dissenting opinion. And those are the arguments that we made in court. 
Um, but we think that, you know, e- even though those arguments ultimately weren't adopted by the majority, we do think that that right of appeal is important for Hines County residents because it means that there are cases that might appear before the CCID court will ultimately be uh, appealed to elected judges in the Hines County Circuit Court. And a question about uh, the, the the right of appeal there, because one of the provisions of HB 1020 uh, would be that criminal defendants within the CCID, if convicted, would go to the Central Mississippi Correctional Facility, a state, a state penitentiary. Does the upholding or does this decision, does this ruling, uh, what does it do to that provision? Will people found guilty uh, in within the CCID court have the right to appeal and stay out of the state penitentiary uh, until that appeal is heard? So that will be that that, that provision is uh, was held to be constitutional. Oh, policy choice by the legislature of where individuals should be held and detained. And so, you know, we continue to be troubled by that provision. Uh, there's no other municipal court in the state that allows individuals to be sent to a state prison facility. And so we are hoping that the right of appeal um, provides some protection there, that there will be opportunities to make arguments for individuals who are detained to be released pre-trial and not sent to those state prison facilities. But um, that is still a very troubling part of the law for us, and, and we will continue to do work to mitigate its effects. And as far as uh, mitigating the effects of, of 1020, is, uh, I mean, is this the end of the road uh, as far as what can be done as far as legal challenges within the state of Mississippi? No, no, it's not the end of the road. There is still a pending federal legal challenge that has been brought by the NAACP, as well as the Department of Justice, uh, challenging several provisions of 10.1 weren't challenged in the state case. And so that includes the expansion of capital police jurisdiction to the entire city of Jackson. Um, It includes other provisions related to the CCID court. And so those challenges that are still pending in federal court, and um, we we hope to have a a positive outcome in those challenges so that the discriminatory impact of 1020 will be eliminated. Amir Badat with the Legal Defense Fund, thank you so much um, for taking some time to to kind of reflect on this ruling, break it down for us, um, and, and share your thoughts. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Coming up, how produce on wheels is helping people in rural communities access fresh food. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Why listen to Right on Mississippi? I got on the bus and I said, well, I'm going to straighten him out. And I went to the back of the bus and I said, Charlie, don't you touch my... I didn't even get sister out. My face began to beat his knuckles up very badly. (laughs) Right on Mississippi, a podcast. Download now at mpbonline.org from the Mississippi Book Festival and MPB.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A farmer in northeast Mississippi is taking his produce on the road to places across the state, including farmers' markets. Michael Lane, a farmer from Plantersville, has retrofitted a bus, an old bus, with the equipment needed to safely transport his crops to markets that lack access to fresh food. He tells our Lacey Alexander the bus can reach folks who fall below the federal poverty line. I got started in this market back in the 80s when I started farming. I was, I was a future farmer of America, you know, uh-huh. starting out as a kid, and, you know, it just followed me all the way through. And I've been training a few other people, you know, they are doing it too now. Okay. And they love the business, and hopefully they'll continue to do it. So you would say you're like the director of the operations here. Right, right. Yeah. I'm the mastermind of this, and they coming along real good. Oh, I, yeah? Yeah, I'm recruiting a lot of them and doing it, you know. A lot of ones over there in my town, everyone seems to be start, you know, start loving what they're doing. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm hoping they continue because, you know, we need this, you right. know, fresh fruit and vegetables, you know, for everybody to be more healthy, you know. Yeah. So walk me through. What, show me what everything is. I just want to I just wanna see. Yes, we have peaches and plum, and we have a lot of different flavors of pickles. We have bear peppers, okra. And these prices are... For like they a basket? Are $6 on the jar stuff and all the basket stuff is more five, something three. Yeah. They know what it is. So, how do you decide what to show? In case of the jar costs $10, $12, $14, you know. And I've got a pretty reasonable price $6 a jar on any of this squash reddish, tomato reddish, cha cha, have salsa, hot mild. You said that you've been doing this for a while. How long have you been running this bus, and where did this idea come from? I just got the bus this year. I had a little dream. I said, you know, I'm going to start a mobile market. And I went and got the bus. And look at my sister-in-law. You know, she did my design work for me. She she did all my artwork for me on the windows and on the top and growing Mississippi and all that for me. She did a real good job doing it for her first time ever doing a bus, you know. But she does our shirts and everything for us, too. So you just got the bus this year. How long have you been running a market? I've been running a market ever since in the 90s. Why do the people of Mississippi need fresh produce? You know, we need to be more healthy, you know. And see, we eat a lot of burgers and fries and all that. It's kind of unhealthy, you know. But we can put the fruit and investment back on the table. And it, and it all have a real good taste. You know, just cook it, season it up a little bit, you know. You can even grill fruit if you want to, you know. But like me, I put the corn on the grill, and I have had cantaloupe on the grill and have deep-fried watermelons, stuff like that. It's real good. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your passion for this. Like, how do you want to – you said, how do you want to bless people with this? Well, I bless – I actually give away a pretty good bit, too, you know. I got about four or five people helping me. You know, I bless them every week, and we – uh don't continue to bless people, you know, because sometimes I can't sell it, I get away. I church by me, I everything I have left, I take it and give it to them every Sunday. Whatever I have left, keep them from ruining, I donate it off to somebody, senior citizen, kids, if they want to learn something or they want something, they ain't got to buy it, I just buy, give it to them, you know. Well, you know, I'm blessed, and I like to bless other people. So, one last question for you. Tell me your favorite vegetable on this bus right now. I would have to say the tomato. About, everybody loves tomatoes, you know, and tomatoes are a real big seller. 
and it tastes good. You know, you can do a lot of things with it. Like me, I like frying. I can can them or whatever. But I also, you know, sell a lot of pickles, you know, which I make about 10, 15 different flavors on them pickles. Yeah. It's not all of them, but I make a lot of different kinds. Let's come on out and see what we got to offer. You might be blessed by coming out here, yeah. you know, and it, it'll help other people too because I bless a lot of people, you know. They're like, it was a long ride, but I didn't mind making it. I even took all work to do it. <laughs> Michael Lane is owner of Lane Farms in Plantersville. One of the primary stops for his bus is at Access Family Health Services, a federally qualified health center in Smithville. Executive Director Marilyn Summerford says it was the perfect fit for the organization's fresh food market. In 2011, uh, where I'm from, Smithville, Mississippi, the town was basically destroyed by a tornado, which uh, destroyed the only grocery store that we have in town. So uh, someone from Catholic Charity stopped by and wanted to know how they could help, and we told them that you know we didn't have a place where people could buy fresh fruits and vegetables. So they provided the seed money for us to start the pharmacy uh, farmer's market that we have so people in town could buy fresh fruits and vegetables and also to to provide a way for our gardeners and farmers to sell their produce. So uh, Lane Farm this year came up with the idea of this mobile market and they just called one week and said we want to bring it to the pharmacy to be our first time to show it and I was just blown away with their creativity because uh, it, it met some of the needs that we had because we have this weekly market from June through October where our patients that that are, that are below 200% of federal poverty level, we give them $10 a week in tokens. Uh, but we give them the tokens if they come to the market. We want them to come there to support the farmers and gardeners. And then they can use those tokens to buy fresh fruits and vegetables, and they pay our vendors with them. Then the vendors turn those tokens in, and we reimburse them. So uh, Lane, having this idea with the mobile market, helped meet a need that we had about uh, some of our more remote. All of our clinics are in very remote locations, so we might have a clinic that's uh, 50 or 60 miles away from where our farmer's market is, so this allows us to schedule times in some of the more remote communities where we can give those patients the tokens and they can use them for fresh fruits and vegetables. So what's really interesting to me is, you know, rural Mississippi can have sometimes a history of food insecurity. Talk to me about the importance of having fresh food go mobile in communities like that? Well, I think it, it that's a very important part of it, too, because we have people that, you know, that don't have land to grow it, and then we have people that just don't have the knowledge of how to grow it. Uh, so it, it really, I think it's inspiring a new generation of people that are interested maybe in growing some of that, but my background is as a dietitian, so that kind of, you know, is where my interest, I guess, came from, but, you know, it, you have to have the available Ability. And you know, what we were experiencing in Smithville is that the only place people had to buy food was at Dollar General. And when I was in there, I saw they were buying the frozen pizzas, they were buying the hot dogs and the chips and all of those things. You know, we, we deal with uh, hypertension, diabetes are always among our top diagnoses. That and depression, which comes a lot with uh, being in an economically depressed area. So, you know, we also 
also at the farmer's market we provide uh, samples of uh, recipes made with our market ingredients to show that uh, that you can have good food that's made that's also healthy. And you know, I think one thing that's rewarding to me, like my favorite recipe in our cookbook, is a uh, Parmesan squash that's done in the oven. And people will say, "Oh, I, I only eat fried squash," but then they taste it and they say wow, you know, this is really good and this is healthy. So, you know, when the light comes on that it can be good and it can be healthy and not have a lot of ingredients and not require a lot of time, which is important to people today. That's another really good point that you bring up is that, like, sure, you may have access to the vegetables, maybe even you have the money for it, but then the question becomes, like you said, preparation. That's almost a privilege in itself to have the time to prepare these meals. Uh, Talk to me a little bit more about what other challenges Mississippians specifically may face in pursuing a healthy diet. Well, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of cultural things because our whole culture is around food. You know, if you think about the things that that bring us pleasure, it's gathering with our friends and gathering with our family and and eating foods. And so many times, you know, we prepare it the way our grandmother prepared it. And it's not that, you know, people may be uh, hesitant to try a recipe if they're having to pay the cost of the food or they really aren't you know, good cooks, but I think when they're introduced to uh, to good food prepared in a healthy way, then it, it makes them think, especially, you know, if you can take the time to show them, this, this only takes five minutes to do, you know, it's not, and, you know, that's one of the reasons that we have some, that people eat fried food so much. You know, of course, now with the air fryers, then, you know, that's really given us another tool to prepare uh, foods that are, you know, in a healthy way. So we've just got to re-educate and incorporate our culture so that people can still, you know, embrace their culture but do these foods in a different way. But, you know, one of the challenges we face is we have a hard time finding farmers uh, and they, you know, they start with and plant a lot of peas but then when it comes time to harvest them and they realize how much work it is it's like I'm not bringing them to the farmer's market people can come and pick them if they want them but now there's more ways makes it doable as far as you know having those foods at a market. Marilyn Summerford is executive director of Access Family Health Services in Smithville. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Have a great weekend.